Rolling. Rolling. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to the Revival Podcast. I don't know why I had to say that twice. Why I had to say that twice. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, we're so happy you're here. This is a podcast where we are talking about relevant faith. We're talking about the things that we feel like, oh, if we could just live them out one week at a time, it would light us up. Yeah. It would revive us, you right. know? Yeah. We're coming off of uh, general conference talks where we're taking one every week and just kind of looking at, man, what's that? What's the gritty line in there? What's like the, what's the punch? What's the thing that I can really like lean into for the next seven days that will just help me um, come alive? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, How's you, how's how are you, Stefan? I feel good. Good. I feel I want to be revived right now. Let's do this. Get the intro done. Let's revive. Listen, people like the intro. It is reviving. Where are you from, by the way? <laughs> I was born and raised in uh, Western Massachusetts. You guys, this is why he's so fancy. Like he my comes high church. From, yes, he comes. Okay, we got to define we, we high church, low church. Yes, yes okay. Like, if you want to know everything about the difference between me and Dave, this is all you need to know. This is it, like right here. So I'm high church, Dave's low church. Now, people think that's offensive that you just <laughs> called me lower than you. So you have to explain to you the people. You should take offense to that. It's, it's I'm like, not. No, I'm not taking offense to that. Our people good. could beat your people up so easy. <laughs> I, I cannot deny that. That is true. That is true. Okay, say what high church okay, is and, and low you, church. People you, love this kind of stuff. Okay, so yeah. high, high church is like, uh, it's like robes, candles, stained glass windows, old stone churches, choirs, uh, the reading of the liturgy, scripture. It's like slow. Uh, it's mindful, present, contemplative. I didn't say that word. Say that. <laughs> contemplative. How do you say that? Contemplative. Yes. Contemplative. Yeah. See, I, I sounded so smart until that moment. Yeah, you're not high church anymore. I'm not high church <laughs> you anymore. You just fell off your high church. <laughs> um, so that's high church. Yeah. And low church is Dave Butler. Dude, and now, okay, because low Dave, church is mindfulness. Would... We have mindfulness. No, we have no. presence. Oh, my God. Why can't we have presence? Okay, low church is, it's not lower than high church, everyone. It's just the words that yes, fancy people use yes, to describe. But low church is like worshipful it's like oh, uh, oh, togetherness oh. it's like praise it's, it's like yes, yes. It's, it's like preachers wearing normal clothing yes right yep it's right. a church that doesn't look like a church mm-hmm. right yeah you know? kind of like jesus a lot like jesus coming <laughs> to our world it's not looking like isaiah said he's low church isaiah said it okay those are his words his very words oh, so and see and yeah and you can find jesus in both you absolutely jesus in both you know is there a medium church? <laughs> Middle church. I don't want to go to that one. I want high or low. I don't want medium church. <laughs> okay, so that's, that, you'll hear that phrase. We use that phrase yeah. a lot with each other because yeah. uh, we're both smart on those kind of things. You have but high church moments. Everybody does. That's true. Yeah, and everyone has low church moments. Okay, okay. Right? We came together. Here okay. we are. Win-win, synergized. I like how this six. is that. Look what this, look what this podcast does. <laughs> What other problems could it solve in the world? In Poland. Um, okay, talk, speaking of these moments, you know, that people have. Because people do. Like, you really do have, well, I mean, I have. I feel like in my conversations with people, and um, but I'm most an expert on me, most an expert on my yeah. own experiences, that there are these times when I'm just like, heaven has broken its barrier. 
Hmm. And it's like, I've encountered it. Yeah. It's come. It's, it's like, you know, it's here. Like I just, I, I feel like I, uh, you know, I, you, I, my life can look really churchy, you know, where right. it's just like, Oh look, you're involved in like, if I were to do a, um, a muted version of a day in the life of me, you would see <laughs> an, a lot of churchy things happening right, right, or right. whatever. I kneeling down with the kids for prayer. I'm reading scripture. I'm listening to my K love as I drive <laughs> in the car. I just, you know, but then every once in a while to use a phrase that elder Anderson's going to use my, my mind catches hold mm. of something like, right. or rather I want to say this, something catches hold of me. You know, where I'm just like, oh, I, I like I've been lit up like, like or just I'm on fire with something. Yeah, I can, can I can I say something about I just love the way you said that, like it catches hold of you to really describe spiritual experience for it to not feel cheap. It, it has to be something that you feel is like beyond you and drawing you and sort of has captured you. Otherwise, religion and the gospel is just a product that you just you just plug in and you get. Right, and I think it was C.S. Lewis who said something like, uh, "Pleasure I can control, but joy I can't." Oh, right, yeah. It's some it, that, and but regar- regardless, um, like for it to be meaningful, it has to be from outside of myself and grab onto me. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I can just arbitrarily pick and sort of control it like it's a product. Yeah, right? when it happens and when it does, and the thing is, is like um, sometimes the talk in church is as if I can, right. And sometimes I wish for that. I wish I could right. control it. I, I do want to plug it in, plug and play, right. make it like, yeah. I need a spiritual experience today. But maybe it wouldn't be as, um, it wouldn't be such a moment right. if I could. Right. You know, where it's just like, if you could create it, like there is something about the surprise of it mm. that adds to the thrill right. of yeah. it. And one of the characteristics of our modern age is that, People want to be able to have control and just plug and play and get what they want at any given moment. There's a there's a um, philosopher Ian Thompson, almost positive he's not a person of faith. I just I love his work though, and he says, look, if I decide that something matters solely because I decide that it matters, then I can also at any given moment decide that it no longer matters. Huh. And so right now, a lot of people say, oh yeah. You've got to go find meaning. You've got to you've got to decide. And on some level, we have to be proactive. But on another level, the most meaningful moments they come to us, mm. and they and they, it's a call. It's a call to us to be to connect with the divine or something beautiful and holy and good and true. So something about this this makes me think that something that's frustrating about that to me yeah. is when I see when I have that moment when I've been caught, and then it feels like then I don't for longer periods of time than when I do. Or I see somebody else, like I heard this story the other day of this cute grandma who's like walking through the Jerusalem center Mm. in Jerusalem, you know, and the comment that she makes as she walks through it is like, I want to think about Jesus more in my life. And I heard that story and I thought to myself, wait, wait, I, I, I want to, like, I want to want whatever you just felt. Yeah. You see people ha- having them, and I remember having them, and I'm just like, I, I kind of want to, I want that. Right. I want it more consistently in my life. And is it a part of, of a faith journey that you don't always? Is that, like, part of it? Or can you have it always, you know? 
I think, I think of course, right. Like in my opinion, I, you know, the part of faith is like, you love someone even uh, like you love them for the sake of love. Even if it's not uh, the most amazing experience every single second, right. A part of loving God is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go through the, the mountains and the valleys with you, God. Right. And I'm not going to love you because of the experience right. you've given me, right. but right. because, because then we love the experience and not him. Uh, right. Yeah. Right? And he's he's just he's just a means to get some kind of positive experience, yeah. Rather than the end in and of itself, right? Yeah. So the question I think all of us want to know is: Okay, I can't control it, I can't force it, I don't want to, but is there a way that I can put myself in a position to catch hold of the deeply soul satisfying moments where I remember and think of Jesus of Nazareth? Like how how do I like hold? Is there a way that I can get that more? And put myself in a position to experience that more. Yeah, because so Elder Anderson is the talk we're looking at, and he said this. This is like a promise in his talk where he says, as you he tells the story of Alma the Younger, who catches hold of this thought of Jesus. Right. And and then he says it was a life-changing moment mm-hmm. for him. And then he says, um, as we attentively catch hold of the thought of Jesus and trust in him and keep his commandments, I promise you not only heavenly guidance, but heavenly power. And it's like, wait, that is actually what I want to hold on to. Right. Right. That's. So how do we do that? How right? do yeah, I actually yeah. right. do something like that? Yeah. And, and so, and there's, there's quite a bit at stake here because in, in my, in my experience, the reason why some people step away from faith is not so much the realm of the intellectual. It's because they haven't quite learned how to catch hold yet. Mm. It's like they're, they're not being satisfied and fulfilled by gospel living. And so, and then, and, and, there, and there might be intellectual aspects to it that they talk about and try to work through. But when something is, is it gives you those moments, you'll keep coming back to it. Right? Yeah. And so how do we do that? Uh, uh, like, thankfully, Elder Anderson, he gives us the key. This is what he says. Are you ready? Are we good? Should right. I read this? Okay. Let's, I'm like ready. <laughs> <laughs> Let's revive. Here we go. This is what he says. Quote, Jesus is never in a forgotten corner. Stop, it's already so good. Like, that's actually the line of the whole talk. Like, to me... He could have stood up, said that, sat down. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know? And sometimes, like, on a Saturday afternoon, I'm like... <laughs> you had to have a build-up. You had to have a build-up, or what? you have to have a bump and a set before you have the spike, okay? But that is such a line. Yes. That, that is... Jesus is never in a forgotten corner. I also want to say that means to me like he's he's actually not very far away right at any given moment yeah right okay so keep going okay here we go here we go because our thoughts of him are always present and all that is in us adores him okay so so th- good i know <laughs> so now that makes me think that he's saying like wait maybe you have more uh, a bigger part to play in this than you think. Right, right. Maybe we can proactively take steps to make this kind of experience more likely. Right? Yeah. yeah. He says, and then he starts giving us concrete ways to do this. Uh, Elder Anderson says, we pray and rehearse in our mind experiences that have brought us closer to him. We welcome into our mind divine. That one was big already. I know, and I feel like that's a whole other episode right there. We, <laughs> we welcome into our mind divine images. That's so intriguing to me. Yeah. Holy Wait, what do you think that, like, what you, what do you want to say is intriguing? 
to you it's about like, that. Should we do the whole list and then come back? But I, I just am so intrigued by like, um, what does that look like to welcome into your mind a divine image? So one of the things I remember when Elder Holland was speaking at Harvard, and this is the way he started. He basically said, "My look, word, this is." A- <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> I was Harvard. I saw it on YouTube. Okay, right? okay, okay. Elder Holland. He said, "Look, I just love the way he started off. He said, if you're going to know something about our faith, then we believe in angels and visions and revelations. And so, a lot of Christianity in certain corners became about words and ideas. What's the first moment of the of the restoration? A vision. Mm. It's imagery." It's a story. It's a picture. It's and story. That's so, that's so good. Right. Like, like our temple experience is a very visual, uh, like it hits the senses, right? And we welcome into our mind. We imagine the Savior. We study scripture in a visual way. It's, it's not ideas bouncing around. We're not trying to get propositional statements lined up in the perfect deductive syllogism. Like, no. no. It's like. No one, I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's a visceral, visual experience mm. when we pray. I mean, I, I cannot believe President Irene let us know this, but in, in one of the quotes he talks about, he says, when I pray, I, he said, when I was a kid, I, I didn't pray like this, but he says, now I picture a father in heaven close by bathed in light. Mm. And it's like, how wonderful is that he led us into what he imagines yeah. when he prays? Like so, that to he just said, I welcomed into my mind a divine image. image. Right. I feel like I, when you were talking about our temple experience, and if you're not familiar, you've been to an open house, so you've seen we have a room that essentially symbolizes the presence of God. And walking into that room, to me, like that's what I actually like held on to when you just said that. I was like, that is a div- that's an exp- like a divine image. I'm like right. almost acting it out. Yeah. I'm walking into his presence and it does something to me to like walk in, you know, like just take the actual physical steps into a place that's, you know. Right. I think that's how we begin to put ourselves in moments where we can catch hold. Mm. Right. It's that, it's that kind of thing. So think, and so what I would do, I might I mean, just be real practical. I would ask myself, how can I make prayer a more visual experience? How can I make scripture study? Can I picture these stories in sacrament? Can I go to Gethsemane? Yeah. Right, see the olive trees, see the Savior. Can I go to the cross and see that crown of thorns, the nails in his hands and feet? I, I remember one time just thinking about this with sacramenting because it was on Easter. And I, um, the year before, General Conference landed on Easter. And I actually don't like when that happens. Well, I do like it for one reason. <laughs> I'm going to say one reason I like it. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you so why I don't like it. Can you say that on a podcast? Yes. I'm going to tell you why I like it and why I don't like it. Why I like it is I I actually, as I, what made the experience better for me was I wrote down just on an Instagram post, but it put me in the spot to say, tomorrow I will go to the door of the tomb mm. and Peter and Mary will witness what they've seen and know. That's revival right there. And I'm like, that actually made that session of conference thrilling to me. Right. Where otherwise it really could have been, it could have been a boring experience, (laughs) but you know, like that story of like, oh, but one of the reasons I don't, I love going to church on Easter is because I'm like, I actually want to go to the cross. Yeah. um, In the sacrament portion of it. Right. Like I want to like, 
view his death. Jacob won. Right. Right. I want to kneel with the women at the cross and I want to shed a tear or two with them. And then I want someone in my ward to stand up as the Christmas morning angel and sing me. He is not here. He is risen. Like I want to experience the story of the weekend. That's how you hold on. That's how you, that's how you, right. Or I go to church or I just go and sit in the pew and do church. Like there's a difference. Hundred percent. Right? Hundred percent. Yep. Like yeah. hold oh that that's the is that the best line? I, I it, it's yeah. It, we, we didn't even welcome. do anything with that. <laughs> we pray we pray we rehearse in our minds the experiences. I think we just did that. Yeah. We just did the line before. Rehearse we our rehearsed mind. our in our minds the experiences that right. you know have done that for us. It's it's the experiences, the stories, the narratives that really move our heart and change us, right? There's a philosopher, he's a Christian philosopher, Jamie, James K.A. Smith, and he says, the way into the heart is through the body, and the way into the body is through story. And so, so okay, we, say that again. Okay, because... so the way into the heart is through the body. Like, you don't, you don't move people's hearts through argument, right? It's something they have to experience in their bodies. That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, okay. Right? Music and the sacrament and, and worship. And then he says, but in the way into the body is through story. And so when Elder Anderson says, we pray and rehearse on our mind experiences that have brought us closer to him. Like, man, like, like one of the ways to, I think, deeply change is say, what are the top five? What are the top 10 experiences in my life? And remember those and create more. It's those stories. It's those narratives that start to, re- to remind us uh, of, like, uh, of the connection moments we've had with God. Mm. You know? So it almost feels like... Uh, it's it's kind of both of these experiences together. Like my mind has to catch hold upon the story, on the divine image. Right. But I can put myself in setting circumstances that sort of like help that. At least right. that's what it makes me feel like when he says that, where he says, we welcome divine images, holy scriptures, inspired hymns to gently cushion the countless daily thoughts rushing through our business. Biz- mm-hmm. It's almost like put up bumpers on like a bowling lane right. that are going to keep your thoughts directed toward like, right. Is that how you read that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And what I want to say is like, it cannot be generic. Like the, this will, st- when these holy practices, those are the things that put us in a position to start having these moments where we can catch hold. And, but those holy practices have to be individualized. We have to own them and we have to identify what's the way that I read scripture that starts to make this happen. What's the way that I pray. Right. So yeah. meaning I might not take President Irene's. Right. Like that's his. Yeah. Right. 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 That's his. And if it works so, for you, how right. awesome that right. someone told you what they did, right. because now maybe that could work for you. And this is when we start moving from uh, like child church and we start going to adult church. It's when we start individualizing it, making it our own. And it works for, with our own unique gifts and capacities. And that takes time. It takes effort. And, and it's not plug and play. Right. But can I start to develop the, the, these holy practices in a way that I find deeply satisfying and meaningful that stretch me and make me a better disciple? Mm, right? Yeah. I, I mean, the question was, how do I hold on to those soul-satisfying, enriching experiences? Like, how do I capture that? Like, there's so many times where I just want to say, well, people will say, like, man, that moment changed my life. Right. You know? And sometimes it means like the trajectory of my life, like it switched. And I think that's what it was for, for Alma. But I actually think these kind of moments change a life. Hmm. 
right? Where it's just like, I actually live a soul enriching, satisfying relationship with, with God. Right. And, and these are the things that are, I can either do those things or I can do those things in order to connect and just live in that heavenly power. Like, I think that's like, like I loved that line, like live in heavenly power. Can I, can I, can I just ask you like if like your top two or three holy practices that you feel most often put you in a position to really have a soul satisfying moment with, with the divine. Uh, music is number one. And I know a lot of people say that, and right. there might be a reason a lot of people say that <laughs> Like we might've hit. It's like almost like people are like, I love chocolate. And you're like, don't be so, and it's like, wait, maybe it actually is that good. You know? So, right. um, there, so many of my moments, mm. um, happen in music, right. you know? And I'm talking like, this is going to sound so funny. Sometimes I'm 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 in a mood even at the gym to listen to worship music. That is going to sound so crazy to people. But sometimes you know I want it quiet at the gym or I want a podcast yeah. at the gym or whatever and I just like it could be there in the car and it just is like yeah. man, it's the words and the music together they collide in a way where it's just like Absolutely. Uh, man, like I just Yeah, Jay Ruben Clark he said besides prayer Nothing invites the spirit quicker into our lives than than music. Mm. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then an, another one for me is actually memories, believe mm. it or not. Like that line intrigues me because I love looking back and thinking right. about like just really like memories that I look back and I can see God more in it because of the memory of it than when I actually experienced it, if that right. makes sense. Like where I was like I can look back on it and see, like, right. and story. I also want to say story, like, and pictures. Pictures really, like, Absolutely. like, if I want to, like, um, it, it will move my heart every time if I picture the, the nativity scene. Hmm. If I, like, walk into the stable and I, like, see the mother and the baby and that just like the sweetness of that, like I, if I, I mentally can walk into it and it's like, I think my imagination is such a gift. I think God, like, I don't know if everyone has a good one, but I do. I got gifted one and I just, yeah, I use it in for worshipful experience. Yeah, I like just, just the nativity itself. Like the idea, the most powerful being in the universe says oh a uh, feeding trough is fine i'll be i'll be born and a picture put in a, and a picture and, of yep. and the king of kings swaddling clothes feeding trough bottom floor of a house animals around it's it's like that's he won me i'm it i'm in yeah i'm in that's my god that's my king that's who i'll spend my whole life centering my life around there's a temptation to engage in everything that he gave in that list mm. in a way that won't do this. Tell me more about that. What do you mean? Well, meaning like somebody can pray, somebody can listen to the music, somebody can, you know, walk into the temple, partake of the sacrament, right. and it doesn't move them. 
you know? And I'm not saying it has, it does every time, like we talked about that, right? right? But I'm just saying like, it would be really easy to engage in those things and never have it make a difference. Right. And I, I think um, our minds catching hold and like us engaging in it for that particular purpose makes a difference. Like I think it's difference. I think it's, it's worth that effort to make those practices powerful. Right. I agree. Right. So one practical way to catch hold this week at the dinner table with the family, how have you seen grace? Have you seen grace today, yesterday? That's one way, right? Uh, During Come Follow Me study when we were in Scripture, uh, had the kids draw, say, here, let's draw this. Let's picture this, right? If you're there, what emotions? Uh, Back in the day when I was teaching seminary, I used to do Holy Week with my students, and and we would just read the text, and I would have them write, what would you be thinking, feeling, or doing if you were in this moment? We just go through a lot of Holy Week doing that. And these, and these 15, 16, 7-year-old kids would have pages and pages of notes of, of their visceral experience watching this, just the text, visualizing like what Elder Anderson says. So small or, tweaks make, make a huge yeah. difference here. You know? Or telling yourself the story of, of the sacrament table before you go mm. right. into church. I, I remember talking to my kids one time and. I sh- before we went to church one day, I showed them the Bible video of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea walking into the tomb and yeah. like preparing the body. And I just like I was like, you walk into those doors, and this is what you're doing. This right. you're reliving this, and it ch- it changed the it changed that you know that whole experience. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, man, I'm 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 excited to go forward. Try this. Same. Try this stuff. Absolutely. I'm revived. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see y'all next week.